0: It's a challenge to making a lot of changes and and doing things, but something does not change the love of god and and God's word will never change and so it's exciting to preach from from God's word, knowing that it does not now i uh, have a couple challenges to throw out to you now this whole week or a couple weeks have been a real challenge for everybody learning how to to get along and get online and uh, Facebook, all of those things, but a challenge I want to throw out is that at eight o'clock on uh, every morning, eight o'clock, that you either you're waking up or you're finishing breakfast or uh, maybe you're part way through your day. At eight o'clock in the morning, you just stop and take a few minutes to pray. Pray for the our country. Pray for lives, uh, all lives that are affected by the coronavirus, especially those that are sick with it. Pray for them. Pray that they might come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. That is what they need the most. Pray for our church family. Pray for our pastors. Pray for the school, LRCS. Pray for needs to be met uh, all around, especially around us. So 8 o'clock, I was challenged to do this. I want to pass the challenge onto you as well. And a so challenge to do that, a challenge maybe to go online and give. Try that giving um, app there that they have online and, and see if you can get it to work where you send in your tithe that way. Uh, I've got uh, a quote from Grandma Jay. Now, Grandma J. says, A sermon can help people in different ways. Some rise from it in great strength. Others wake from it refreshed. And so, uh, husbands, men, uh, you might wake from it refreshed. I want you to get a blessing from it this morning. I want to turn to Isaiah 53. As we've been out walking in our neighborhood, we walk around and we uh, look at the art, sidewalk art, but only its driveway art now. There are art galleries all around our neighborhood. And as we go uh, walk around there, we we see scripture verses out there. In fact, one of the scripture verses is Psalm 27, three driveways down. A beautiful handwriting is Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? What a great verse. A lot of people in our neighborhood are walking, and so people are putting scripture verses out there, um, a number of them. And so we had our grandkids; they they put First Peter five seven, casting all your cares upon Him, for He careth for you. Beautiful artwork there. Uh, the rain uh, this last yesterday afternoon and and uh, last night kind of uh, kind of wiped it away, but they'll come and do it again for us, and maybe another verse. Because we want our neighbors that walk around there to see scripture. The only hope they're going to really get is from scripture. The artwork. They're not portraits. They're scriptures written. But I want us to look at three portraits in Isaiah 53, the first six verses. Just three portraits. And uh, these portraits you're going to find look an awful lot like Jesus Christ. And that's because they are portraits of Christ. In the Old Testament, it's filled with pictures that point to the cross. And uh, in the Old Testament, beginning with Adam and Eve, the, uh, they sinned. And so animals had to be killed. Their blood had to be shed so that it could cover their bodies because they had sinned. And then the, the picture of Isaac uh, needing a ram caught in the thicket to replace him on the altar that he had laid on just... Uh, previously, but he was able to get off and as substitute, they put the ram there, a picture of the cross. Israel needing the Passover lamb. The blood of that lamb spread over the door, and down the doorposts so that the firstborn of that family would not be killed by the death angel. A picture of the cross. The Israelite wanderers needed to look at the bronze serpent, and Jesus mentioned this. They had to look to the cross or the, the pole that the serpent was hanging on in order to live. Rahab needed the scarlet cord hanging from her window so that her family might live when the Jericho was captured. So the Old Testament has pictures pointing to the cross. The New Testament describes the cross in the Gospels, Acts describes the power of the cross. And the epistles point back to the cross, describing what we have because of the cross, the hope we have that we have in Jesus Christ. But 700 years before Jesus came, pictures were painted of Jesus on the cross. Not just pointing to the cross, but pictures of Jesus, and they're found in Isaiah 53. I'm wondering if some of the religious leaders of the day didn't stop when they're viewing the cross and think, hey, this picture seems familiar. Oh, what's going on here? It's like deja vu. It's like I've read about this someplace or I've seen it or whatever. It's because they did. A lot of them had Isaiah 53 memorized, and they failed to see the portrait of Jesus Christ three portraits that I want us to look at that should have made the religious leaders of his day realize that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus should be worshipped, not crucified, that Jesus should be the one that they would lay their, uh, fall on their knees or fall on their faces before him on the cross if they would have just recognized that he was the Messiah. That's the same challenge I give to us today, that we might recognize Jesus is the Messiah. And rather than to put him uh, off to the side and say, I'll come to you later. I'll view your portrait at a later date. After I'm old, then I'll give my life to you. After I'm rich, then I'll give my life to you. After I have fun, then I'll give my life to you. no, these three pictures... Should get us to fall on our faces and say, You are the Messiah. You're the one we're waiting for. Thank you for giving your life to us. What are these three pictures? First two verses of Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our reports? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. This is a prophetic picture of Jesus, a picture of or portrait of prophecy. And it reveals two things. It reveals that there was much unbelief at that time. Israel as a whole did not believe that uh, Jesus was the Messiah. They would not believe in the Messiah because Isaiah 53 is a messianic, messianic uh, uh, Isaiah mess- messianic challenge, but God knew this, and Jesus in John chapter 12 verses 37 and 38, John writes about this as Jesus performed miracles, says, "But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him." What the saying of I so that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed. And so they did not believe him. Now, some of them did. In Acts chapter 8, Philippians is is, uh, traveling, and he meets uh, the Ethiopian. The Ethiopian is reading Isaiah. And uh, Philip says, do you know what you're reading? He says, how can I unless somebody explains it to me? And who is this? And Philip said, "That is Jesus. He is the Messiah." And Peter recognized that. Peter quotes in First Peter chapter two. He quotes Isaiah and says, uh, "Christ suffered for us, just like Isaiah said." And so uh, this portrait of prophecy was met with unbelief, and it was met with uh, undesire. There was no desire that they should. Uh, look upon him or desire him in verse 2 he was undesired out of a dry ground formal a formal religion a religion that wanted to kill this tender plant and Israel had become that dry ground so this tender plant comes out and it lives for a time a short time and then the dry ground uh, swallows it up or crucifies Jesus he was undesired it was a uh, fulfillment of Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where God told Satan that uh, there would be uh, animosity between him and the woman and between his seed and the woman's seed, which is Jesus, describing Jesus. John 1, says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. They did not. They rejected the portrait of the Messiah, Jesus. So they didn't see it. They didn't want to see it. Uh, the second portrait is seen in verses 3 and 4. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we'd esteemed him, we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Here is a portrait of uh, uh, persecution a persecuted Jesus, and it reveals their indifference to Jesus. It revealed their inabilities to deal with their sin. Their indifference showed up as a, in a portrait of shame. They could behold and look at Jesus and all that they were doing to him. Verse 3, a man of sorrows. Jesus wept. He wept because of unbelief. He wept because of the power of sin to cause death and bring death. But because Jesus wept, we can smile and we can laugh and we can experience joy unspeakable and full of glory because he wept in our place. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. It wasn't his sin. It was our sin that showed a man of sorrows uh, man, it also revealed man's inability to deal with sin. They couldn't. Verse 4 says, he carried, he bore our griefs. He bore our sin. He was stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, not for his sin, but for our sin. There's nothing we can do about it. We, uh, the only place we can carry our sin is right to hell, a literal hell. But Jesus carried our sin for us. He bore our sin. I underlined our in verses four and five. Five times there's our. And there's nothing we can do but to place our sin upon Jesus Christ. And I am praying that each one here has has done that, place their faith in Christ. The last portrait is a pardoning portrait of Jesus, a purging portrait. He became our substitute. Listen to these verses. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is a portrait of Jesus as he pardons us, as he purges us from sin. And he had to go through the pain there. He was wounded for our transgression, the pain of the cross. And we'll be seeing that as we enter, get closer to the Easter season. All the pain and the stuff that Jesus Christ had to go through, the punishment, not for his sin, but for ours, bruised for our iniquities so that we might experience the peace. He was chastised so we could experience peace within, peace with a holy God. And so, uh, and also perfection by his stripes, uh, we are healed. Not uh, we're we're healed better than whole, because we've been become the children of God, fit to enter into the presence of a holy God. Not for because of what we do, but because of the perfection that Jesus Christ, the righteousness of the stripes that he he bore for us, the purging of sin. He became our sin. Because of our stubbornness and our sin. Verse 6, uh, what's that first word that it begins with? If Kids, if you've got your Bible there, you can say, well, the first word is all. What's the last word of verse 6? If you have the King James, it's all as well. It begins with the all of, uh, all of our inabilities, all of our sin, all we like sheep have gone astray. Uh, we've turned everyone to his own way. So all of us have done that. There's not a one that's going to get to heaven without Jesus Christ. Not a one that doesn't need the cross of Christ. And the, uh, it ends with all. All our needs can be met. All of them. It says uh, he laid the iniquity of us all on him. There, there, not anybody has to be uh, excluded from what Jesus did on the cross. He died for all. And I hope you've taken advantage of that. He became our substitute. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God hath raised you from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believe, believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's, uh, thank you, Jesus, for taking my place. Thank you for saving my soul, for forgiving my, me of my sins. Thank you, Lord. I, I'm a follower of Jesus because he died for us on the cross. when I read this verse I think of the old story that uh, I heard when I was a kid and it made an impression I remember this often a story of a one-room country school and I envision it out in the in the prairie someplace and the the male teacher comes to in my mind a male teacher comes to the uh, front steps and he rings the bell and he says uh, kids come in and they come in and they all take seats and he says uh, this is our first day of school thank you for being here uh, stand up and give your name and they stood up and they just go down the line give their name and uh, then the teacher said okay in in order for us to to learn this year we need to have some rules uh, what are some rules well Rule number one, to come when the bells ring. rung, that so this will help us focus. And so and the kids were raising their hands and, and giving their rules and don't speak without raising your hand and, and no lying and no cheating and no stealing and no dipping the girl's hair in the inkwells. And so uh, they, they, no fighting. They have this list of rules and the teacher says, well, if there's a list of rules, then uh, we must have some co- consequences or penalties if you disobey these rules. What will it be? And uh, a boy said, Well, if it's, uh, if it's uh, get here late for the bell, after the bell is rung, then it'll be one whack with the yardstick. Okay. Well, what about the rest of these rules? Well, they got to, uh, to cheating, and that was quite a bit, got to stealing. And they said, this has to be a serious rule because we really don't have much here. Our families don't have much. So the penalty for stealing. Well, one kid said, well, five whacks with the yardstick on the back. Okay. So they put that down there. It wasn't long until, until uh, Billy came out of the little coat room and said, teacher, somebody stole my lunch took my lunch out of my, my lunch pail. And the teacher stood and said, class, uh, do any of you know what happened to Billy's lunch? And uh, a little boy, Sammy, Billy was the largest kid in the class. He was an eighth grader, but Sammy was the smallest kid in the room. And he was a second grader. And he said, teacher, I, uh, I, I ate Billy's lunch. Sammy, why did you eat Billy's lunch? I was just, I, I was just so hungry. Oh, Mom has been sick, and, and we didn't have any breakfast this morning, and we didn't have much for supper last night. And, and I, I, I just was so hungry, I ate his lunch. Well, Sammy, you know that the penalty, look here at the board, you know the penalty is five whacks with a yardstick on your back. I, I know, I know. Well, take your jacket off and, and come up and take your wax. And, uh, and Sammy said, do, do I have to take my, my coat off? Yes, that's the rule. And so he took his coat off. And the teacher said, why aren't you wearing a shirt? He said, well, because mom's been sick, she hasn't been able to do any laundry. And, and I don't, didn't have any clean shirt to wear today. Okay, come up here, Sammy. Sammy went to the front. And the teacher took the yardstick. And he got ready to, to, to give Sammy the first whack. And, and Billy jumped to his feet and said, Teacher, teacher, it doesn't matter. I'm not hungry. I don't need my lunch. I wanted uh, Sammy to eat it. It's, it's okay. And, and I can bring lunch for him tomorrow too. But don't give him the whacks. Teacher said, but Billy, that's what the rules say, that, it, that there are five wax that are going to be given for stealing. Oh, and he said, teacher, teacher, can I take his wax? Uh, can, I, can I take his wax for him? Well, the rules don't say that you can't take the wax for somebody else. So why don't you come up and you can take his wax for him? Sammy went back to his seat and he sat there, and there was a whack, and Billy's body kind of shook, and then the second whack, whack, he got it again, and tears began to form, and whack, and, and the tears were flowing down his eyes, and whack, and he got his last whack, and little Sammy couldn't stand it any longer, and he and he jumped from his seat and he ran to the front and he threw his arms around uh, Billy and he said, Billy. Billy, thank you for taking my wax. Thank you for taking my wax for me. I love you. I love you so much. I think about that when I see Jesus taking my wax for me. How do I treat him? He died on the cross. Isaiah describes, it gives us pictures. The agony that he went through. And how often do I turn my back on him? I ought to be like, like little Sammy throwing my arms around him every day and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking my wax. I love you so much. I love you so much. How about you? How do you treat your substitute on the cross? Kind of callously? Well, whatever. Whatever. Oh, I've heard the story of the crucifixion over and over again. Sometimes, you know, maybe it doesn't move you to tears. Maybe it doesn't cause you to weep inside or your heart to hurt or your voice to shout out, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for taking my wax. Let's pray. Father, I don't know if there's someone that, hears this message this morning that does not know you as Savior, if they've never given their life to you, never asked you to forgive them, I pray that they might do that this morning. I pray that those of us that kind of grow callous about the, the cross, the story of the cross, Lord, forgive us, draw our attention back to you. Might we say thank you, thank you, thank you for taking my sin, dying for me so that I might have life and life eternal. If they haven't done that, Lord, I pray this morning will be a time when we examine our hearts and make decisions for you, please. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.